Following treatment for COVID-19, the Democrats have unveiled a bill that will create a panel to gauge the president's capacity under the 25th Amendment, which grants them this power. The idea being that they could judge a president to be unfit and then remove said president. Many people started speculating the plan is to get rid of Donald Trump. Why? Because they've been arguing that the medication dexamethasone has made Donald Trump incapable of doing his job. And they've argued that he's actually dying. He's unhealthy. Believe it or not, the New York Times actually published that Donald Trump was secretly using a green screen because he was too unhealthy to stand outside. That has been thoroughly debunked. And now I think I can debunk the idea that this is a plan to get rid of Donald Trump. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, I talked about this the other day, but I have some clarification, correction, editorial note, whatever you want to call it. The Democrats are not trying to get rid of Donald Trump. How do I know this? Well, for one, Nancy Pelosi said it herself. This is not about Donald Trump. And I think it is fair to say maybe there should be a panel, you know, that that actually does this. But I do believe this creates a very dangerous precedent for this country in that crony establishment elites can then sit on this panel and say, well, I believe that president is unfit. But let me tell you the real reason. The real reasons I know that this is not about Donald Trump. The 25th Amendment grants Congress the power to create this commission, but it requires the vice president to be involved. And there is no way Mike Pence is going to come out and say Donald Trump is unfit. Unless, of course, Congress and Pence were colluding to make Pence the president or at least acting president. No, I think based on the title of this video and the thumbnail, you've already figured it out. I mean, I told you outright this is to get rid of Joe Biden. Now, there's reason to believe that Donald Trump will lose. And do they really think Joe Biden will be president? I mean, most people are kind of already joking. No, Kamala Harris is going to be the actual president and she will be the most powerful vice president in American history. It stands to reason then the real plan is either to get rid of Joe Biden when he wins, because as Joe Rogan put it, voting for Biden would be like taking a dying a, a, a flashlight with dying batteries out for a long hike. It's not going to work out. So as most people become scared that Joe Biden doesn't have the mental ability to actually do the job, well, this may actually reassure them, which is the the other point to this. Maybe they want to get rid of Joe Biden. Should he actually win and then make Kamala Harris the actual president and then have her appoint a vice president and Joe Biden just sits in his chair in the sun, like I've said before? Or maybe it's an attempt to convince the American public that don't worry, if you vote for Joe Biden and he eventually can't do the job, we will have a commission come in because Kamala Harris will be VP and she can invoke the 25th. There it is. Mike Pence will not invoke the 25th against Trump. Kamala Harris would invoke the 25th against Joe Biden. Thus, in my opinion, based on Nancy Pelosi saying it's not about Trump, the only thing I see, the only thing I, I see here is that it's probably about removing Joe Biden. So let's take a look at exactly what Nancy Pelosi is saying, why I believe this will be removing Joe Biden should he win, and why I'm going to say it. There's good reason to believe that Joe Biden actually could win. Even Ted Cruz is saying it. There could be a very, very bad moment for the Republicans coming up unless people get active and go and vote and vote in person. But maybe Donald Trump will win, and maybe this is just a, a cautionary move. Let's read the story and see what's going on. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate. If you would like to support my work, there are many ways you can give. And there's a P.O. box if you'd like to send me stuff. 
But the best thing you can do is share this video. If you think my thoughts and my rationale on this makes sense, then you can help let people know what their plan is, or at least what we think their plan might be by sharing this video. It also helps my channel grow. But more importantly, as we are about 25 or so days from the election, I think it's very important that, in my personal opinion, and, you know, to support my own channel, we promote independent voices outside of the mainstream media. You can do that by sharing this video. But don't forget to subscribe, hit the like button, hit the notification bell, and let's read the story from The Hill. Democrats unveil bill creating panel to gauge president's capacity. House Democrats on Friday unveiled legislation creating a panel to gauge a president's capacity to perform the job and potentially remove the commander in chief from office in cases of decided debility. The commission would be permanent, applying to future administrations. But it's a clear shot at President Trump, whose treatments for the coronavirus have raised questions about their effects on his mental acuity. Now, to be fair, maybe that really is the case. Another half-baked, feeble attempt attempt at removing the president. Russiagate bore no fruit. Ukraine gate bore no fruit. Impeachment failed. They can't get rid of this guy. So maybe they're just trying to jam him up now to stop the Amy Coney Barrett hearings and confirmation. Or maybe I think it's not about Trump. Nancy Pelosi said so, right? Why shouldn't I take her word for it? Ha ha ha. Well, maybe it really is about the fact that if Joe Biden wins, nobody thinks he's going to function. He's just not Trump. So they're going to vote for not Trump. And then they need to do something about this. Let's read more. Speaker Nancy Pelosi, a sharp critic of the president, has fueled those questions in the, days, in the days since Trump returned to the White House after three nights in the hospital, floating the idea that Trump's drug regimen, which includes a steroid linked to mood swings, might be affecting his decision making. The president is, shall we say, in an altered state right now, the speaker told Bloomberg News on Thursday. The Democrats' legislation invokes the 25th Amendment, which empowers Congress to create a body which working with the vice president can remove a president deemed unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office. Sponsored by Rep. Jamie Raskin of Maryland, a former professor of constitutional law, the bill would create a 17 member panel charged with judging the president's fitness and empowered to remove that figure when deficiencies are determined. In such a case, the vice president would take over. Quote, this is not about President Trump. He will face the judgment of the voters, Pelosi told reporters Friday. But he shows the need for us to create a process for future presidents. I think that's actually a fair assessment. It's too late to actually try and stop Trump. If Trump wins, however, in a second term, they may try invoking this. But let's be real. Mike Pence is not going to betray Donald Trump. That's absurd. The proposal has no chance of being enacted. With Congress on recess and the Senate and White House currently controlled by Republicans, Indeed, GOP leaders have already dismissed it as a political stunt. Look, that's absurd. Absolutely absurd, said Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. Again, right here in the last three weeks before the election, I think those kinds of wild comments should be largely discounted. But the bill marks another effort by Democratic leaders to energize their base ahead of the November 3rd elections. While feeding accusations that Trump already under fire for his fitful response to the coronavirus pandemic, has become increasingly erratic under treatment for his own case of COVID-19. Pelosi on Thursday had previewed the legislation unveiling. The speaker was vague about what prompted her decision to do it now, just 25 days before the election, but hinted it was related to the White House's refusal to reveal when Trump last tested negative for the virus. Why is the White House not telling the country that important fact about how this spread and made a hotspot for the White House, she asked. 
Trump was quick to fire back, proposing that it's Pelosi, not him, who should be examined for fitness of office. Crazy Nancy is the one who should be under observation, he tweeted. They don't call her crazy for nothing. White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany piled on Friday morning, telling Fox and friends that Pelosi's gambit is absurd. The only one who needs to be looking at the 25th Amendment is Nancy Pelosi herself. Even before its release, the legislation was already stoking accusations from the president's Republican allies that Democrats frustrated with Trump's victory in 2016 are doing everything in their power to overturn the wishes of voters in that election, a charge frequently lodged during Trump's impeachment. I wouldn't put it past Speaker Pelosi to stage a coup. Rep. Mark Green tweeted Thursday, she has already weaponized impeachment. What's to keep her from weaponizing the 25th Amendment? Well, I think there's actually very, very dangerous implications to what Nancy Pelosi is saying. I think it's fair to say maybe there should be a panel because what do we do when our president is out of his mind? And if Biden does win, does win. And I think you got to be concerned about Biden being out of his mind. But first, I want to show you this in the 25th Amendment. Section four, declaration by vice president and principal officers. Section four addresses the case of an incapacitated president who is unable or unwilling to execute the voluntary declaration contemplated in section three. Basically, if the president is incapacitated and can't speak, the vice president can say, yo, this guy's knocked out and can't do his job. Do you agree with me? If the president is then able to say, no, I can do my job, then it goes back to the, to, to the vice president and the, and Congress or their approved body to make another declaration. This is basically saying if the president bumps his head and can't talk, they make a declaration. If the president's bumped noggin still prevents him from speaking, then they, they finalize a declaration. The vice president takes over. The reason why I do not believe this is about Donald Trump is because Mike Pence will not betray Trump. Kamala Harris, on the other hand, as vice president, should Biden win, will easily then say, I believe Biden is incapable. Biden, we appreciate your service. Moving on. I'm not saying this is their betrayal of Joe Biden. It may simply be that they see Joe Biden's cognitive decline, which everyone seems to have noticed, and are preparing a contingency for when Joe Biden cannot verbally express he is unable to do his job. Get it? Joe Biden's gaffed and gaffed, and he struggles to speak very often. It's only a matter of time, in my opinion, and I mean that with all due respect. If Joe Biden wins, and Kamala Harris is VP, and Joe Biden can't speak anymore, they need a way to address this. Now, of course, Congress could just do it, but it could be a fear that Congress fails and becomes, I'm sorry, that Democrats fail and Congress becomes Republican. And then Republicans say, nope, he's your president. You live with them, hoping that a disastrous presidency of Joe Biden results in an easy Republican victory. In a tweet from The Hill, Speaker Pelosi says this is not about President Trump. The 25th Amendment creates a path preserving stability if a president suffers a crippling physical or mental problem. She highlights only this portion of such other body as Congress may by law provide what she is highlighting, that Congress has the ability to create this panel. She's not highlighting the vice president portion, because I think then people might realize the only vice president as of now who would probably say something about the president is Kamala Harris, which brings me to a great and glorious tweet from Michael Malice, who tweeted on July 31st. If you're not familiar with Michael Malice, you should definitely check him out because he's very smart. He's very hilarious. He hosts a podcast and he was on the IRL podcast recently, but he tweeted the writers of the simulation are building up to Republicans fighting hard to stop the Democrats from removing President Biden from office via the 25th Amendment, July 31st, 2020 at 1025 a.m. Michael, you have called it. 
Bravo, good sir. Now, of course, he's kidding about the whole simulation thing. I'm assuming, or maybe he's half kidding, or I don't know, maybe Michael really believes in the simulation theory. The point is, this year has been so insane and patently absurd. I think he's right. I think we might actually see a Biden victory. And then the Republicans who maintain the Senate or whatever start fighting over, no, you do not remove Joe Biden. And I don't know what Joe Biden's going to be saying about this, but I think it's actually quite hilarious. Now, don't take my word for it. Take Etsy's word for it. Over at Etsy.com, we can see this Kamala Harris sign. It says, Harris 2020 and the I, the letter I in the word Harris, is a tiny little little Biden. Kamala Harris was supposed to be President Yard Sign 2020, a bestseller. This is what they are buying. The Democrats who support Harris made it a bestseller. Now, I'm not saying every single Democrat did this. I'm saying that in fact, they actually believe it. Or even if it's a joke, it's something they believe to be true. Okay. Well, I'll tell you something that I think is actually pretty scary. For one, it may be that the Republicans lose. GOP could, GOP could face bloodbath of Watergate proportions on election day. And that's Ted Cruz. But I want to point out the scarier notion here. What if, what if Kamala Harris steps up? And says, after Biden wins, he is unfit for office. And this panel agrees. Joe, you've served the country well, but we're sorry. We're just not fit. Maybe it won't happen right away. Maybe it'll take six months. What happens then? What happens then is that Kamala Harris appoints a VP. She chooses somebody should Joe Biden be removed. If she chooses then a vice president, you could end up with, I don't know, Hillary Clinton, somebody that nobody likes and nobody would have voted for. How can you get Hillary Clinton to be president? If she was on the VP ticket for Biden, people would not vote because they for Biden because they don't like Hillary. They really dislike her. What happens if we get and, 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 I'm, and I'm throwing this out there. I know it's probably never going to happen. I'm just saying if they create this panel and then Kamala Harris steps up and says, Joe Biden is unable to do the job. <laughs> and then the panel says, here, here. So then Kamala Harris appoints Hillary Clinton. And as VP said, Hillary Clinton says, Kamala Harris is clearly not capable of doing this job. And the panel says, here, here. And then Kamala Harris steps down and Hillary Clinton becomes president. I do not believe that will happen. That is insane to think. I'm just saying it creates the system in which something like that is possible. I do not like holes being put in our system. OK, you see the point I'm trying to make? In which case, I think it's it's important to make sure that whatever it is that's happening is sound. But the real issue at hand, I think, is like it's not so much about the panel because this seems to be more of red meat to the Democrat base. They don't even need the panel. Congress can just do it. I suppose if Congress flips Republican, they're worried about what Republicans will do, in which case maybe it does make sense that there's an independent panel that gets people uh, that people are appointed to it by Congress. And maybe it'll be a lifetime appointment or a certain term. I don't know how they're actually planning on doing it. But that might make more sense because then you prevent partisan games in declaring a president unfit. The problem, however, is that it creates a system in which establishment politicians can always maintain control. And perhaps what we're really seeing is the establishment saying never again will we allow Donald Trump or anyone like him to be president. Because they'll just pump in the me- pump out stories in the media over and over and over again. The president is unfit. The president is unwell. And the president must be removed. And that doesn't matter who wins. Maybe it's Bernie. Uh, Trump called him crazy Bernie, right? Well, 
if it turns out that uh, that Cruz is correct, the GOP could fl- face a bloodbath of Watergate proportions, then maybe we are actually looking at a Kamala Harris taking over. I mean, does anybody really believe Biden's going to be the president? We've been saying it for months now. But here's the crazy part. Kamala Harris failed in the primaries. She had ter- she had almost no support. She fizzled out. She I, I don't think she got even any delegates. Tulsi Gabbard, I think, got more than her with one. I could be wrong about the numbers, but uh, something like that. Joe Biden picks Kamala. Kamala then becomes president and no one voted for her. I mean, I guess they voted for her as VP. But even that to me is unsettling because there are other people who should be president well before Kamala should. She's picked by Biden. Biden wins because everyone hates Trump. Kamala, who everyone hates as well, then becomes president. Welcome to your broken states of America, because that would be a truly messed up election. But I will be fair and point out some interesting things. For one, from Gallup, confidence and accuracy of U.S. election matches record low. People are not confident the election is going to play out well, in which case maybe it doesn't matter what Nancy Pelosi is doing. Maybe she's just trying to convince her base that don't worry if Trump wins, we've got a, we've got an ace up our sleeves. Maybe it's actually about removing Joe Biden. That's just my opinion. I think it makes more sense. Or maybe she's just saying, look, I'm doing something. I'm doing something so that she can rile up her base so that they think it's worth voting. Confidence in the accuracy of the U.S. elections from 04 to 2020 shows it is at a low point from where it was around 2009. And that was probably because of, like, surprisingly, I guess it's Obama. That's weird. It wasn't an election year in that case, but next year was. But it did go up. In 2016, it went way up. You want to know why confidence in the elections actually went up in 2016? People like me who thought the election was rigged the whole time saw Trump won. And then we were like, wow, if Trump can win, man, the election must be legit. Though they definitely tried cheating. But something I find truly interesting is this. American voters' views on Donald Trump and Joe Biden agree that he has the presidential qualities. Joe Biden, according to Gallup, is five points above Trump. 49% saying he has presidential qualities. Trump has 44%. What does that mean? What are presidential qualities? I guess respecting decorum and being polite, in which case Mike Pence definitely has presidential qualities and Donald Trump is a bit brash. But uh, I think they're talking about behavior and demeanor, which to me is kind of dumb because, you know, we've had presidents who are really crazy in the past. Agree with him on issues is where things get interesting. Donald Trump beats Joe Biden 49% to 46. 49% of people agree with Trump versus 46% agreeing with Joe Biden. Now, what does that really mean? I don't know, but I can show you this. Most say they are better off now than four years ago. During his presidential campaign in 1980, Ronald Reagan asked Americans, are you better off today than you were four years ago? Since then, This question has served as a key standard that sitting presidents running for re-election have been held to. Gallup's most recent survey found a clear majority of registered voters, 56%, saying they are better off now than they were four years ago, while 32% said they are worse off. I'm showing you these things as a counter to the idea that it really is about Kamala Harris. There are reasons to believe Donald Trump will win. And there are a lot of reasons to believe that he'll lose. I really can't tell you. Some people have said it certainly won't be a landslide. In fact, Trump may still lose the popular vote and by massive margins. It may be that Michigan and Pennsylvania have some weird discrepancies. And then in the end, nobody wins. We have no idea what's going to happen. Maybe it goes to the Supreme Court and Trump wins by Supreme Court ruling, in which case you'll probably get a lot of civil unrest. But people agree with Trump on issues. They just don't think he's presidential. So what does that mean for the voters? 
It could mean they won't vote for him because they'd, they'd prefer a bad president, you know, someone who's got bad issues, but it still looks better. I mean, that's why they voted for Barack Obama, because he looked good. That's really what it's all about, at least a lot of it. However, if people recognize that they've been better off now than four years ago, even amid the pandemic, that's crazy. Look at this. 56% saying they're better off now. Maybe those people are going to vote for Donald Trump. And it doesn't matter what the polls say. Maybe the polls show that people don't like Donald Trump. They'll still end up voting for him because, you know, the money's good, I guess. Well, there are many things happening that suggest it won't be the case. Twitter is slowing down retweets ahead of the U.S. election. Social media company to make sweeping changes to how posts are shared, including make it, making it harder for certain content to go viral. We know the mainstream media is against Trump. We know they're biased against him. We saw the story. Maybe you caught my, my 1 p.m. segment on YouTube.com slash Timcast News, my other channel, where the moderator for the next debate was caught accidentally. This individual tweeted to Anthony Scaramucci, one of the most ardent Trump critics in the country. Should I respond to Trump? Many people assumed he was trying to send a direct message. This one tweet was the only one out of place. C-SPAN then came out saying, oh, no, 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 no. He was hacked. He, he was hacked. Nobody buys that. That's insane. The media is clearly in the bag for the Democrats. I mean, Washington Post has endorsed Joe Biden straight up. And these news outlets tend to endorse the Democrats. So, yeah, they're in the bag for the Democrats. What does that mean? If social media is going to throttle all posts, it's mostly going to negatively impact Republicans and Donald Trump. It's going to favor Democrats because Democrats can always default to mainstream media to maintain the narrative, as it were. In which case, Trump is facing a very serious disadvantage. And I don't know what to tell you. Maybe they are planning for Joe Biden to win and for there to be some really sick and twisted games being played. To me, I'm not a fan of any of it. Okay, maybe Nancy Pelosi is really trying to get rid of Donald Trump. Maybe the 25th Amendment is being invoked and they're creating this panel because they're going to come after Trump should he win again. To be fair, that is actually a big, maybe bigger point. I think it may. I think they're betting on winning for sure. So maybe it's really about Joe Biden. But let's say Donald Trump really does win because he's got some things in his corner. Maybe what Pelosi is saying is right now, no, 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 it's not about Trump. We're not trying to get rid of Trump and not, nothing like that. Maybe she's doing this right now because the Democrats know they're going to lose the House. And this is their only opportunity to get their cronies in before they lose power. Or at the very least, it's their best. It, it's, it's a safety net. I'll put it this way. Right now, they control the House. They can create this panel and they can they can stack it full of anti-Trump activists under the guise of, but they're just past presidents and scholars. What happens if they wait and they lose the House? Then they won't be able to create the panel or stack it full of their cronies and their allies. I think Nancy Pelosi is preparing for the fact that she might actually lose. The Democrats might lose everything. And so she's creating a new panel to empower them in the event they lose. Wouldn't that be something? I think either way, it works out in their favor. Will they actually get rid of Joe Biden? Yeah, I think they might. And I think they may be trying to reassure their base. It may seem a little bit out there, but it's just I, I would lean towards I think that's the case, because if the issue was get rid of Trump or get rid of Biden, Mike Pence is not coming out against Donald Trump. I'm sorry, it's pointless. But Kamala Harris. So maybe this is what they think is going to happen. Maybe they think they'll lose the House, lose the Senate, but win the presidency. I don't know about that, but maybe. Why? 
Some have speculated that people will vote for Joe Biden to get rid of Trump, but vote Republican down ticket as a check on Joe Biden, in which case she will create a panel that will empower her faction long after they lose the election. An idea like that to me is disconcerting to say the least. But you know what? Let's throw all the speculation aside. I have no idea what's going to happen. You don't. Nobody does. Maybe she's just doing this because she's bored. Whatever. I'll tell you this. The fact that she's doing it at all, I find to be kind of scary because it will create a crony establishment panel that will give the establishment powers power, even if they're not elected. Creating an unelected panel that could remove the president, to me, that's worrying. However, the election is about 25 days away, so it's better that we just all go out and vote and make sure that isn't the case, whatever it may be. I hope you have taken your vote seriously and you go and vote in person, but I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at youtube.com slash timcastnews at 6 p.m. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Last night, once again, there was rioting in the Pacific Northwest. You probably didn't hear too much about it unless you're following specific people like, say, Andy No on Twitter. But you probably did hear about the right-wing Trump supporters and Republicans or whatever they're calling them who plotted to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer of Michigan. She's a Democrat governor. The initial reporting said that it was anti-government extremists, militias, and many said they were Trump-loving and right-wing. As it turns out, there's no real easy way to define what this group is. The other night, we explained on the IRL podcast that at least one of these guys is an anarchist with a big anarchist flag who hates Trump. So it seems like the only thing that, that really brought these people together was a disdain for government. Of course, now you're seeing Black Lives Matter activists point out that they're all white. I can't tell you too much about where that goes, but I can tell you that the media is going to absolutely focus on a story like this, and they don't give nearly the same amount of attention to the far left extremism. In fact, you will likely never hear the phrase far left extremist, but we hear far right extremist over and over again. The lead story that I want to show you is just a tweet from Andy No and a statement from Yelp. Andy No tweeted, BLM protesters force their way inside a Seattle Trader Joe's to protest the store again. That's all it really is. It's a video of the extremists going into a, a business and you know, essentially harassing people as they've been doing. And this is part of the escalation we've seen over the past several months where they, sh- they walk, walk up to restaurants, get in people's faces and demand they display their, their symbol, their fist. I don't care what the symbol is. The fact that an ideological group of zealots who use violence and threaten people are getting away with this and doing it more and more, they're emboldened by the media, says to me that we're in serious trouble. There's some stories right now. Reuters has a story out about people preparing for, uh, preparing for violence in the coming month. We're about 25 or so days away from the election and regular people are buying guns. They're worried there's going to be mass social unrest or maybe even civil war. But it's not the far right that I'm worried about. And this is what I was talking about in my main channel segment yesterday. While it is true that, that it, it seems these guys that were planning on you know, kidnapping Governor Gretchen Whitmer aren't far right in any traditional sense, they're still going to be called far right. But the story is an example of why I'm not worried about it. The FBI arrested these guys. I'm not scared. These, th- these people get uh, arrested before they ever pull anything off. Yet we have this. A video of people walking into a Trader Joe's and screaming their ideological message. Photos of them getting in people's faces, demanding they bend the knee to their ideology. 
That says to me, as the media continues to defend them, and we even when we know the truth, say about Brianna Taylor, they uh, they're just emboldened. If you are right wing in any capacity, they're going to accuse you of every of every scandal, of every lie. They're going to ban you in any capacity. Right now, there's a story apparently Turning Point USA, a, a, a sister organization called Turning Point Action, has had hundreds of accounts suspended for engaging in inauthentic behavior. So Facebook says. Turning Point says, no, they just had people who are posting their legitimate opinions. You can make an argument about who was right or who was wrong. The point is, the left does the exact same thing or worse. We have the story from Reuters talking about how there's fears of far right violence and right wing militias organizing on Facebook. They got banned. Yet Antifa actively organizes violent assaults on Twitter and they do it over and over and over. And I said this to the face of Jack Dorsey of Ajayagade on the Joe Rogan podcast. We pulled up an example. Here's an account from far left extremists plotting violence and they didn't take it down. Now, I wasn't saying that to rat anybody out. And when they asked me, this became like a funny scandal where the left was like, Tim snitching. Actually, in the hot mic moment at the end, I said, I'm not going to give personal information so that you can go and target people. Like I'm making a point about your clear biases, not trying to flag anybody for removal. But I want to show you what's in store for your future. You know, what's really what's really uh, disappointing and worrisome to me. If the polling is correct, Joe Biden's going to win. A lot of pundits say Joe Biden's going to win. I know people say the polling was wrong, sort of. A lot of polls were wrong, you know, at this point in the election in 2016. But Joe Biden is polling way better than Hillary Clinton did at the exact same time in the previous uh, election cycle. Let me show you. Let me show you something. Yelp has a Twitter thread. And I want to make sure this is very, very clear for all of you. What is the aftermath of a Joe Biden victory? Will there be widespread rioting and fires and destruction? Yes. I actually think it won't be as bad as if Trump wins. But let me explain. As I was, I was talking to Cassandra Fairbanks the other night, again, on the IRL podcast, and she was saying that the protest of Donald Trump on J20, when Trump was being inaugurated from the far left, as they ran around starting fires, smashing buildings, uh, smashing up windows and throwing garbage in the street, that was actually pr- uh, planned as a Hillary Clinton protest. They were planning on coming out anyway, and they did. The only thing is that when Trump won, they were able to use the media's support of them because the media wanted Hillary to win to rally more people and make everything worse. Let me tell you what you're going to get. I had a conversation with a friend of mine, uh, particularly progressive, and she was telling me she hates cancel culture and that people are scared to speak is, is horrifying. And I said, then why would you support Joe Biden? Because I guarantee you, if Biden wins, you will live under the boot of these people. Don't believe me? Yelp tweeted this. Today, we're announcing a new consumer alert to stand against racism. In the last few months, we've seen that there is a clear need to warn consumers about businesses associated with egregious racially charged actions to help people make more informed spending decisions. Communities have always turned to Yelp in reaction to current events. And our user operations team already places alerts on business pages when we notice an, an unusual uptick in reviews that are based on what someone may have said in, seen in the news rather than on a first and experience. Now, when a business gains attention for reports of racist conduct, Yelp will place a new business accused of racist behavior alert on their Yelp page to inform users, along with a link to a news article where they can learn more. Welcome to your new morality policing future. I want to ask you to, to, to do, do me a favor. Do yourself a favor. 
Please share this video so that people can see exactly what you will get if Joe Biden wins. In fact, if Donald Trump wins, I'm not even convinced he's going to stop it. He's but one man with everyone against him. He is just unfortunately for most moderate middle of the road Americans. Yeah, I'm sorry. He's your best chance at putting an end to this. You know why? Trump banned critical race theory, this identitarian worldview that has insane beliefs and is the fuel for cancel culture. It is the basis, the root of it. If you are tired of not being able to speak, if you are tired of your comedians bowing out and refusing to do shows, if you're tired of people losing their jobs over this, you must stand up against it. And unfortunately for most of you who don't like the president, he's your best chance. The banning of critical race theory resulted in universities and and many of these, these organizations from dropping things like this. Please consider sharing this video and subscribing. Let people know what's happening. We are within a month of the election, and it looks like Joe Biden is on track to win. There's a lot of reasons to believe Donald Trump could win because of the secret or shy Trump voter. But I will tell you what you will get if Joe Biden wins. Maybe you don't like Trump. Maybe you think he's an awful man who talks awfully. Uh, I think Trump has character defects, very, very much so. I think Trump gives me a very, uh, uh, as a person, it's, a, it's, a, it's not a pleasant feeling to see the, the way the guy acts. Most of you saw the debate. Even Trump supporters acknowledge it was awful. Trump needs to, to, to chill, and I wish we had a better personality. But I'll tell you this. I'm going to vote for the guy. Not because I'm happy to do so, or I'm, I'm excited and cheering and waving a Trump flag. I'm happy with the Middle Eastern peace deals. I'm happy with him withdrawing uh, troops. I'm not happy with, for the most part, who he is, but I'll take what I can get right now in the face of morality policing. No, if Donald Trump wins, um, you probably will see rioting. Uh, but Donald Trump has shown that he's absolutely willing to shut these riots down. And they've deputized Portland police and Oregon State police. And the extremists in the Pacific Northwest are freaking out demanding that the police be de-deputized. What that means is when the cop arrests an extremist, the feds can prosecute them because the locals won't do it. Let me tell you what's in store for you in a Biden presidency. Donald Trump says that if Joe Biden wins, this will be you'll see all these riots. It'll be Biden's America. And then people quickly said, but it's Trump's America now. What we're witnessing in Oregon and Seattle, where they're going into businesses. Now we're seeing with Yelp in the in, in, in the West, on the West Coast is that the ideology of these individuals on the far left of the country and of the spectrum is, is emboldened and institutionalized. The politicians are cutting loose the extremists who are being arrested. The rioters are being released. Kamala Harris soliciting donations to bail them out and Joe Biden's campaign staff doing the same. If Joe Biden wins, there will be some riots. Yeah, but mostly what you will get is this. People going business to business, demanding that you give up your rights, raise your fist to support them or else or else they will put a tag on your business that you're racist. And then they'll get your business shut down because then Antifa will show up with bricks and there will be rioting. And Joe Biden has shown he will not stand up to these people. Not at all. He refuses to denounce them. Quite the opposite. He straight up donates his campaign staff donated to bail them out. And Kamala Harris directly called for, do for donations to bail them out. What will the media give you? The media will tell you Donald Trump won't denounce white supremacy. He has. He could do a better job for sure. But when will they ask Joe Biden to denounce Antifa? He won't. He doesn't. OK, he denounced violence. But sure, I'll tell you what's going to happen. 
The left right now is putting out calls. They're putting out statements that Joe Biden is going to be pulled to the left. They have their plan. They believe they can easily push Joe Biden into their issues because the Democrats are desperate for support to stop a right wing populist uprising, which is Donald Trump. Joe Biden will then placate them. He'll give them what they want. You will see more of this. I want you to think long and hard about cancel culture and what you really don't like about it. And then I want you to make sure you tell everyone you know what Yelp is going to be doing. That small uh, uh, business down the street from that you really like? Well, they fired someone for stealing. Turns out the person who was stealing was a woman. And so now you've got a social justice cancel culture issue where they say, you know, uh, are you calling the police on her was was putting her life at risk? Then they say, oh, turns out the woman actually she was Latino racist tag. Let's say someone has a business and, and, you know, a black Indian, Asian, Mexican person comes in. Well, probably not Asian because the left doesn't seem to care about those people. But let's say a minority comes in, can't get a job. So they go on Twitter and say this person's racist. Better yet, or I should say worse yet. Look at what happened in Louisville when Black Lives Matter went business to business demanding they tithe. You know what that means? They said, we want 1.5% of your revenue or else. They went to a Cuban immigrants business and said, give us the money to one of our chosen organizations or else. And the Cuban immigrant said no. So they smashed a flower pot in front of his business. Well, he said no. And Cuban American immigrants came out and defended his business. But what do you think Yelp would do after he was accused of being racist for not giving his money to this violent group of, of terrorists? And you know, I say terrorist. Because they're demand, they're, they're threatening violence to support their political agenda and taking money from people. I'd call it mafioso if they just wanted the cash, but they want ideology. They want political ideology to win. They are terrorizing people. Yelp is going to punish the immigrant, their business. They've been accused of racism. It's that simple. This absolutely will backfire. Now we see this from Reuters. Meet the Americans standing by for possible election violence. What I, what I find interesting here is that they point out that right-wing militias are organizing on Facebook. Oh, no. <laughs> right-wing militias are organizing on Facebook. What do we do? Antifa's been organizing on Twitter since the inception of Twitter. They, you can Google search Antifa, Twitter, riot, violence. You'll see all of the posts. They don't get taken down. They don't get banned. The media won't call out far-left extremism, and they will make every excuse for it. And that means under a Joe Biden presidency, don't be surprised when you get canceled. So I, I hope you're telling your friends and your family what's going to happen. You see, under Donald Trump, we have kind of extreme in the other direction. But let me tell you something. Donald Trump talks. Uh, um, Donald Trump doesn't speak in a very polite manner, to say the least. But you know what? With a with a Donald Trump president banning critical race theory, which is the you, the core of cancel culture, you can say what you want without fear. Now, I'm not telling you to go around and be a dick. No, I think you can choose to be a better person. You can choose to speak your mind without fear, and you can choose to uh, be a dick if you want, but you don't have to be. Now, Donald Trump is. That's unfortunate. Under a Joe Biden presidency, we're going to see a rapid escalation of cancel culture because the left will be emboldened and Joe Biden will pander to them and more and more businesses will start enacting these psychotic policies. Then you'll be able to say anything. You'll be forced to stay in line because these people are these roving bands of marauding far leftists who are getting or acting with impunity. They'll come to your house. 
That's what they did the other day in Wauwatosa. They went to an apartment building and started ransacking it, breaking the windows out. And a 70 year old woman was left cowering. Yet people are still going to vote for Joe Biden. You know why? Because the media is lying because the way they get their information, they're not being told about Antifa and the far left extremists who would demand they bend the knee to their ideology. They're not being told that Joe Biden has on his website the Green New Deal as a good framework. Now, to be fair, in the debates with Kamala Harris and Mike Pence, uh, uh, the, the uh, moderator brought it up, and I'm glad she did. Joe Biden will move far left. We know it. He's entertaining the Green New Deal. He has said over and over again he would ban fracking, and so has Kamala Harris. Then Kamala lies, and so does Joe Biden. They're lying to us, and it's going to get really, really bad if he wins. Now, I think that under Trump, we've seen some uh, improvements the past four years. According to a Gallup poll, most people think they're better off. It scares me then that people would sacrifice all of this because the media told them to. Maybe that's the grand experiment. The media will tell you the far right's the real threat. And there's a threat from the far right for sure, but the FBI shuts them down. And they'll ignore Antifa on the far left and what it's doing to our culture. They'll ignore the fact that Yelp is going to put tags on your business accusing you of racism. This is basically a, a means to get the far left extremists to show up to your business and threaten you to make you bend the knee in fear that the extremists will come for you. Mostly peaceful protests, they said yesterday about Wauwatosa. Mostly peaceful. Imagine you knew a guy who every time every 10th person he met, he punched him in the face. You'd be like, guys, oh, mostly peaceful. No, you wouldn't hang out with that person. That's what's happening. The media won't tell you that in this new world they're building, it's going to get bad. But let's take a look at what regular people are saying. Reuters reports some Americans worried about possible violence after the U.S. presidential election are forming community community watch groups and others are working on conflict de-escalation. And still others are purchasing guns, according to two dozen voters, online groups and data surveyed by Reuters. A common fear is that the November 3rd contest between Trump and, and Biden remains undecided, leading to protests that could escalate into civil unrest or even sectarian conflict. They don't want to say civil war, but Spike Lee said it recently. An illustration of those concerns came in Michigan on Thursday with the announcement that 13 people had been arrested for plots to kidnap the state's governor and attack the state Capitol building. These were anarchists. They've reported that some were Trump supporters. I don't know what this group was, a hodgepodge group of anti-government extremists. For Americans like financial advisor David Powell, the greatest worry is that they could be forced to take sides to protect civil rights, private property, and even lives. Sounds like they're not in favor of the left. I'm not part of any group. Don't want to be part of any group. I'm your regular guy who is watching the news and is getting really concerned, said Powell, 64, of Raleigh, North Carolina. He said he worries about Antifa thugs, a term U.S. conservatives conservatives use to describe left-wing anti-fascist activists. He said he is prepared to stand guard in his community if necessary. Some people are planning foreign vacations around Election Day or heading to rural retreats. Others have bought guns for defense. Firearm sales hit a monthly record of 3.9 million in June, according to FBI data. Ammunition for AR-15 style rifles is on back order in states like Washington and Colorado. Quote, I bought an AK-47, said a Denver-based lawyer who identified himself as Ewing and asked that his full name not be used. The ammo is inexpensive and I can still get it. Some communities and groups are trying to de-escalate tensions, often with the knowledge that many people have firearms and are prepared to use them. In Portland, Oregon, left-wing activist Dre Miller has reached out to leaders of the right-wing Proud Boys to set up an open line of communication to resolve conflicts. We need to be able to call a ceasefire when things get out of hand, said Miller, 37, an organizer with black rights groups Juice. As a black man, I cannot stand, stand back right now. I'm standing up and standing by. 
echoing words Trump used about the Proud Boys, echoing, but slightly different. The primary terrorist threat facing the United States, according to an October 6th Department of Homeland Security report, are lone offenders and small domestic extremist cells who may act out grievances. An October poll by political scientists, including Lee Drutman of the New America Think Tank, published in Politico, found that a third of Americans justified violence to advance political goals, doubling the number from a year prior. The most likely outcome is the election happens. There's no major violence, but the risk of serious or even low level violence is probably higher than it's been in a very long time. Would be vigilantes have organized using Facebook groups and other online platforms where members share videos of violence and property damage by political opponents alongside misinformation. Facebook expanded, expanded its rules to ban militia groups that celebrate violence in August and pull down 6,500 pages. But um, what about Antifa? That's what is galvanizing and driving militia groups and other armed individuals to think that they have a role to play in this moment of sweeping social change. In Colorado Springs, business owner Michelle Morin has taken self-defense classes and is organizing with fellow conservative neighbors to protect each other's homes and send a message to left-wing thugs they are not welcome in her community. There's more to self-defense and more to pushing back than guns, said Morin, a registered Republican and, and a firearm owner. Stephanie Porta is educating people in Orlando, Florida. Then an election result is unlikely on November 3rd and not to panic. She is teaching poll workers and voters protection uh, and, uh, and voter protection workers to defuse confrontations should they occur. We're training people in de-escalation, said Porta, executive director of social justice group Organized Florida, who identifies as being anti-fascist. The extremists are on the rise. Violence is escalating. But in the absence of violence, we get morality policing. There was more indictments dropped on the uh, McCloskeys recently. And for the journalists, let me just tell you, Shelby Talcott, part of the D.C. riot squad, a group of journalists working for the Daily Caller who go around covering these riots, was almost arrested. In fact, a couple of other uh, journalists were arrested. BG on the scene and real Blair Nelson were both arrested. This is what's going to happen. Under a Joe Biden presidency, the far left, in my opinion, will be emboldened. Under a Donald Trump presidency or re-election, the far right will not be emboldened. The far right has been marginalized. The alt-right has dissolved for the most part. They're not particularly prominent. In fact, the, the most prominent figure in the, in the alt-right, Richard Spencer, has endorsed Joe Biden. Why? Because Joe Biden's going to help the identitarians, not the alt-right identitarians, but hey, they'll take the runoff essentially of racial awakenings, as the left describes it. Under a Donald Trump presidency with Mike Pence, I think things will remain relatively normal. And I say relatively based on as, it's, as it is today. There's no going back in time. You're never going to go back to this era where you were chilling, watching Friends reruns or The Office and everything seemed normal. This is the new reality. The Internet has made politics front and center. Social media has made political issues front and center. And there is one faction among the greater factions who is defending and engaging in violence and threats. And it's the left, not the right. Trump supporters aren't going around burning down buildings. Antifa and Black Lives Matter are. And Joe Biden supports them. And now you can see the cultural institutions will ban a conservative and not the left as they organize violence. And they will mark you as an offender. Your business has been accused of racism. And everyone needs to know, almost like some kind of scarlet letter. They're going to put a badge on you to make sure that people know that you've been accused, not convicted, not proven, but people need to know that you're an other. That will only lead to violence. 
because regular people in this country will not stand by. As the left starts becoming more and more emboldened and aren't being shut down now, this is what will lead to full on civil conflict. Let me just say it very simply. If the left keeps growing, the far left extremists in numbers, if they went from 8% two years ago to 10% today to 12 to 20 to 15 to 20 to 25, at a certain point, they will have a large enough percentage to engage in such acts of violence that no one can stop them. You do not need a majority of a country to stage a revolution or a coup or anything crazy like that. You just need enough individuals. And as the population of this country scales up, you need a smaller and smaller percentage because what you need is the raw number, not the relative number. A million people, one million, that's not even 1% of this country. A million people who believe the insane things of the far left and want to put a badge on you saying racist so that your business is shut down. That's all it takes. What happens if you get a million people in one city, you know, less than 10% of any one of these major cities, they can shut the entire city down and take it over and no one can stop them. We have about 328 million people in this country. I don't believe all of them are, are, are of age. But let's just say you had 1%, so around 3 million people who believed in this far-left ideology. One, we don't. We have 8%, according to Hidden Tribes, uh, an, an, an analysis of political factions in this country. That's a, that's a lot of people. That's uh, tens of millions. And if they decided to come out and enforce their ideology, who would stop them? The issue is that there's no one group that is larger than this faction. I mean, there are conservatives, but conservatives aren't violent political extremists. No one's going to oppose them. The, the federal government's not going to do it. The federal government is going after the lone offenders in these small groups, and the media and corporations are supporting the far left. Mark my words. The badge will come for you. Yelp is going to claim that businesses, they're going to flag businesses accused of racist conduct. Accused, not convicted, as if being racist was a crime. One day you will find yourself surrounded by the mob, screaming in your face. It doesn't matter what race you are. They call Candace Owens a white supremacist. And they'll scream, you're a racist. And then all of a sudden your contracts will disappear. Your clients will be like, I can't be seen to be, to be associating with you because I don't want to be tainted by, by your, your, your class violations, by your caste violations. And then you will have social outcasts, very black mirrory. Do you want to be the person who wakes up one day to find that you've been flagged as a, a, an undesirable? Yelp is doing that right now. Welcome to your brave new world. Warn your, your, your friends and your family. We cannot allow Yelp to do things like this. We cannot allow our country to become this. If Joe Biden wins, I think that's what's going to happen. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. I was talking to some people about the past debates with Donald Trump and Joe Biden and Mike Pence and Kamala Harris, and a lot of people felt that Chris Wallace was biased against Donald Trump. And we actually see many people criticize Trump for being the one who interrupted Biden, when in fact, in the beginning of the debate, you can see Biden was the first to interrupt Trump. The media narrative, well, it's kind of obvious. Then we saw Kamala Harris and Mike Pence, and I said, this was insanely biased against Mike Pence. And I had people tell me like, no, actually, the moderator did a good job. No, you see, most people are so used to the media framing things against the Republicans or conservatives, they thought that was good. Let me ask you something. 
Kamala Harris solicited donations for rioters. Why was this not brought up? Now, of course, the moderator still challenged Kamala Harris on the Green New Deal stuff. But see, what ends up happening is you have biased media that think they're doing a good job and say, well, I'll challenge them on the Green New Deal thing. And that's fair. That's fine. But they, their framing is always in a single direction. Why is Donald Trump asked over and over again to condemn white supremacy? Where is any journalist demanding that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris denounce Black Lives Matter and Antifa? Nowhere to be seen. That's the bias. You don't see it. Now, of course, a lot of people have brought this up. I know you're watching me. You've probably had these questions. But when people say that the moderator for Mike Pence was doing a good job, I disagree. I absolutely disagree. She was absolutely biased in her questioning. Why didn't she say to Kamala Harris, Joe Biden was critical of Donald Trump's efforts to to save lives in the COVID? It just doesn't happen. And of course, she asks Mike Pence, Donald Trump and you were at a super spreader event. You see, you could argue that she shouldn't be asking Kamala Harris questions that would make Joe Biden look bad. But she absolutely was doing that a bit to both, but more so to Pence. And it's all about framing and what isn't said. It leans in an obvious direction, making Mike Pence the odd person out once again up against a, a, a moderator who is apparently writing a biography about Nancy Pelosi, who clearly is, is, is biased towards Kamala Harris. That doesn't mean she's going to do any favors for, but it means she doesn't realize she's ignoring very, very important questions. Here's a better point. When is any moderator going to say to Biden or to Kamala? Recently, the FBI has released information suggesting that Hillary Clinton may have staged and made up the entire Russiagate fiasco. In fact, Barack Obama was briefed on this. When you are accused, Joe Biden, of spying on Donald Trump, never going to happen. They will never ask that question. So I give you now debate moderator Steve Scully raising eyebrows with tweet asking, asking Scaramucci, should I respond to Trump? Now, on the surface, you may be, what does this matter? Anthony Scaramucci worked for Trump. Oh, maybe he's biased for Trump. No. Anthony Scaramucci is one of the most ardent Trump critics, and it is so boring. These people are so unoriginal. It's like they pull their opinions out of a, out of, out of a hat full of fortune cookies. Bravo, Scaramucci. You figured out how to mass follow people on Twitter, hoping they follow you back. So it looks like you're influential when you work for the president for like 10 days. Then when you realize no one cared about what you did, you went anti-Trump so that you can garner some kind of creepo resistance support from people who believe in saying things about Russia. So this, this debate moderator tweets to Steve Scully saying, should I respond to Trump? And apparently this individual thought that it was a DM, I guess. And the tweet remained up when all of a sudden people started saying, whoa, why are you asking for advice from one of the most ardent Trump critics? And you're going to love this one. As, as sort of the perfect example of the inept, duplicitous media, they claim now that Steve Scully's Twitter was hacked. That's right. Somebody broke into the Twitter account of C-SPAN employee, <laughs> debate moderator Steve Scully, to ask but a single question of Anthony Scaramucci, to which he responded, no, it wasn't hacked. But talk about how stupid they think we are. You know, the scary thing is, it's like George Carlin said, think about how stupid the average person is. Now I realize half of them are stupider than that. that that's kind of scary because half of them are going to be voting because they think this is real. Oh, man. Take a look at this story. 
So uh, Scully's role as a former intern for Joe Biden sparked backlash. Steve Scully not only was asking for advice from an anti-Trump personality, but he actually interned for Joe Biden. Are you kidding me? How can this guy moderate a debate? Hey, Joe, good to see you again. Thanks for the help you gave me back in the day. <laughs> Welcome to how the media works. Now, I've got some other funny stories trash in the media. The New York Times claimed Donald Trump's using a green screen to do his White House lawn presentations because they're unhinged crackpots who, who like, listen, man, I love how CNN tries to claim Donald Trump is the conspiracy theory president. Bro, you're the conspiracy theory broadcast network. And you know what? I'm likely to be wrong on many things for not believing these conspiracies. When they say like Ukraine gate, Russia gate, I'm like, I don't know about all that. They actually try and smeared me as a conspiracy theorist. I just, if you don't believe what the crackpots think, they'll call you nuts. So the initial story was basically this, right? Molly Hemingway says, interesting tweet from debate moderator Steve Scully to Anthony Scaramucci. Scully was set to moderate a town hall debate on October 15th, now crumbling after President Trump withdrew from the now virtual event sparked confusion and fury among critics, with many concluding that the moderator meant to send such a message to Trump's foe privately. Odd thing for the next debate moderator to tweet, says Alex Thompson. Rebecca Henricks, Heinrich says, we need a different moderator. At the very least, this is disqualifying. 100%. Joe Concha tweeted, what? Why is the next presidential debate moderator publicly asking one of Trump's staunchest critics in Anthony Scaramucci if he should respond to the president? In a related story, Scully once interned for Senator Joe Biden. Optics here are horrible and underscore mistrust in media. Anthony Scaramucci said, ignore. He's having a hard enough time. Some more bad stuff about to go down. Interesting. Joe Concha then says, Commission on Presidential Debates co-chair Frank Farenkopf tells me that he was told debate moderator Steve Scully's Twitter account was hacked, but adds he has no direct knowledge. I want to just clap for the uh, the absolute stupidity of this. Are we really heading towards a smart people versus stupid people election? I know a lot of people seem to think that's the case, but I'll tell you this. I'm not a partisan uh, uh, in, in, in any traditional sense. I'm not a registered Republican. I never will be. I will never wear a MAGA hat or wave a Trump flag. I'm voting for him basically because these Middle Eastern peace deals, withdrawing the troops and dealing with the riots, which I think are going to get worse, banning critical race theory. I'm willing to accept these wins, even though I've never been a big fan of the president based on his character and the things he says. And I've called him an arrogant ass head. And I've called Joe Biden a senile crackpot crony. And, you know, I try to be a fairly equal opportunity critic when it comes to either of them. I just look at Trump and I see a guy. Trump's telling you what he actually thinks. And it's bad for him. I, I, I mean, it. look, he called some, who do you call Rosie O'Donnell a fat pig or something on a debate? He's going to tell you, OK, you know, I don't like it, but I'll accept that he's at least telling me what he really thinks. Joe Biden will tell you he's for banning fracking. Then I'll go on stage and be like, I'm not going to ban fracking. And I'm like, dude, I don't even know what his agenda is. Like a, a friend was asking me, is Donald Trump going to help the rich? And I was like, I mean, technically, the tax cuts helped everybody. It helped you. Oh, well, what's Joe Biden's plan for America? And I laughed. I'm like, I don't know, because he said he wants to decriminalize border crossings, moratorium on deportation, but that he's going to be tough on border security. He's going to be tough on China, but then insulted Trump for being tough on China. He said he's going to ban fracking. Then he said he doesn't want to ban fracking. He said the Green New Deal is a great framework and adopted many of its principles, negotiated with Bernie Sanders and the squad, and then came out and said, I'm not going to ban fracking. And Kamala Harris said he's not going to ban fracking. And no nothing makes sense. 
Joe Biden has no platform that I can discern other than I'm Joe Biden. That's it. I'm alive. I kid you not. The Atlantic wrote that story. Remember, Joe, stay alive, Joe Biden. All we need is your corporeal form. You want to vote for Joe Biden. You're letting the establishment back in the door. At least I know what Trump is doing. I tell you what, if Trump says something, I know what he's all about. He kind of wears his thoughts on his sleeve. Joe Biden, on the other hand, just says whatever he thinks he needs to say at the moment. It's trash. Anyway, about that hacking scandal. Debate moderator Steve Scully's Twitter account was hacked, official says. A top official for the Commission on Presidential Debate said the account of C-SPAN Steve Scully was hacked following a tweet. This we understand. Scaramucci was fired from the White House in the summer of 2017 after less than two weeks in the job as communications director and has since become an outspoken critic of Trump. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a disgruntled former employee. He got hired. He was really bad at it. Fired, Trump, Trump fired him. He was like, when you fire me, well, you're, a, you're bad, you orange man. And everyone gasped. And then the resistance welcomed him, welcomed him in saying, oh, this is this proves it. Steve is a man of great integrity. OK, he worked for Biden. He was in law school and he became an intern. That's when he interned for him, he said, defending Scully from the accusations that his internship worked decades ago with then Senator Joe Biden, who is now the Democratic presidential nominee, would influence how he moderates a debate. It would. It will. And you and he must recuse himself. Is that the right word for a debate moderator? Sure, I guess he should be removed. Hands down. If someone did me a favor two decades ago. I can't be impartial. Joe, thank you really helped launch my career. And now I'm here on the debate stage for one of the presidential debates. You're a great man, Joe. Thank you so much for everything you've done for me. Come on. I guess you could theoretically argue maybe as a negative view of Biden. It was a terrible internship and Joe was awful. Once again, biased. Get this guy out of there. Who was stupid enough to pick this dude? The game is rigged, ladies and gentlemen. Is it not obvious to you yet? His account was hacked. That's right. A dark, mysterious, hoodie-wearing guy, fox mask-wearing hacker broke into Steve Scully's account to ask Anthony Scaramucci for advice. And then he didn't tweet anything else. That was it. How stupid do they think we are? Apparently very stupid. Now, okay, I guess I can entertain the possibility Someone actually hacked the dude's account, but how stupid is all of this? Please do me the favor. I normally only ask for the shit for, for the assistance and sharing during uh, my main channel segments, but considering we are uh, in, in the home in, in the in the final stretch of the election, please don't let these people have power. I don't know, man. I don't want to say like people, I, I think people should go out and vote for Trump. I told you why I'm going to vote for Trump. I just don't want these people to keep control of the establishment. Or, 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 I don't want the establishment to keep control of the cultural institutions and our government. And I am worried what's going to happen when you put a bunch of morons. I mean, I'll, I'll put it this way. The establishment was once a powerful, powerful entity. They controlled banking institutions, you know, the, uh, the FDA. You had the cronies at Halliburton. They were powerful. I'm not, I'm not saying conspiratorial. I'm saying you had people who worked at these banks. They get appointed to like the Fed by their by their cronies. Then they would change interest rates. They would do these cro- crooked deals. They, they helped bail out their bodies. Very powerful entity in control of the whole gang. I don't know what happened, but these people spiraled out of control. And now Donald Trump has stepped in. I think the Internet has a big thing to do with it, which is why they're trying to censor everybody. But now you have like the B team of the establishment. Like Hillary Clinton did a really good job. Barack Obama did a really good job. They, 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 they have friends in high places. They're connected. And we know the nepotism is real. And they've lost control because the A team establishment is gone. 
And what's left are these low tier, low intelligence belligerents, low information belligerents. They think they're they're smart. Just tell everybody his account was hacked. Dude, no one's going to believe that. You're just making excuses. And so so what, what do we end up? We end up getting this world that is so obviously made of plastic. It used to be that when you're like driving down the street and you see all the houses, you're like, these houses look pretty nice. Now the houses are made of like Play-Doh. And you're like, that's not a real house. I can tell. You used to at least make it seem like what was going on was legit. Nah. Anyway, you get the point. They say Scully was picked to moderate the next debate on October 15th. But Trump, you know, he's, he's, he's bowing out. Got this tweet here from Katie Pavlich, who said, no way in hell a journalist who worked for multiple Republican senators would ever be chosen in this anti-Trump media environment to be a debate moderator. If they said they were hacked after conversing with an opponent of the president about strategy, they would be laughed at. Yeah, a lot of people are pointing to Joy Reid when she posts homophobic blogs and she was like, I was hacked. It didn't happen. But ladies and gentlemen, I want to make sure I drive home the point about how cracked, uh, how cracked, how crooked and crackpot these people are. Cracked. Maybe that's a good word for it. With baseless claim of digital backdrop for Trump, New York Times enter, enters, then scrubs bizarre conspiracy. You know, what I love the Federalist is uh, uh, rated negatively by NewsGuard. Yeah, well, this one's true, so I'm going to use it. The New York Times posted this crackpot theory. And a lot of people were tweeting about it. According to Internet Archives, the New York Times published, then quietly deleted a baseless conspiracy theory that a video of President Trump after a hospital stay was a digital backdrop. Why? Because they wanted people to think that Trump is deathly sick. And so they claimed that Trump standing on the White House lawn was not real. You know, I love it. It's, it's kind of hard to see in the wide shot, but it actually looks like what's behind me is a green screen. If, if you're looking on the screen and I'll tell you why it's really simple. I have natural daylight in front of me. And then I have kind of warm room lights behind me creating this kind of illusion. So it looks like there's, you know, but, you know, everything behind me, it's actually there. But I remember first watching this when I did the lighting, I'm like, I actually like that. It looks like a green screen, huh? Not completely, but a little bit. When I did a wider shot, it was it was a bit more like that. Donald Trump was not doing a green screen. And we actually got tons of pushback from the fringe crackpot conspiracy theorists at the New York Times. Titled, Trump lashes out at his aides with calls to indict political rivals. Subtitled, the pressure on his top administration officials to take action came as President Trump bristled at the restraints of his illness. They're trying to make it seem, oh, look at this. It was authored by Peter Baker and Maggie Haberman. Maggie Haberman is a crackpot conspiracy lady, man. She takes, she, she does this really clever thing where you take a morsel of truth and you turn it into insanity. And that's what we've got. To my favorite people in the world, says Trump. Here's what they write in the New York Times. In the video, Mr. Trump was shown on the, on the south lawn of the White House, hundreds of feet away from the mansion. But it appeared to be a digital backdrop as leaves blowing in the wind behind him could be seen repeating on a loop. Judd Deere, a White House spokesman, insisted that he was definitely outside. Mr. Trump has not appeared before news cameras since his return from Walter Reed on Monday morning. The Wayback Machine timestamps record the section as being eliminated between 2.50 a.m. and 4.56 a.m. on October 9th. The New York Times published this bizarre and embarrassing conspiratorial claim, says Ben uh, Domenech. The digital loop conspiracy made its way into the New York Times article despite being flatly rejected as false by Trump's spokesman. So did numerous other anti-Trump allegations depicting the president as mentally and physically sick and constantly debating his statements such as this line. Mr. Trump's doctors have said he has not experienced fever in days, but the dexamethasone steroid he is taking is known to hide a fever. Oh, interesting. 
They say that, you know, this, this removed it, but check it, check it out. Check it out. Chris Hayes, Chris Hayes himself tweeted, I think it's pretty clearly a green screen. The sharpness of the outline and the lighting. Also, it's a very long way to bring a sick president to shoot something when you have the Rose Garden. His video from yesterday showed edit cuts. Oh, they're just making this up. These people are insane. But you know what? I'm not surprised the people who believe that Donald Trump was a secret agent working for Russia believe that Donald Trump standing on the lawn is a digital loop. Why couldn't the president just walk outside? Because they want everyone to believe that Trump is on his deathbed. Tim Carney tweeted, I watched the video. I didn't see the leaves repeating their motion. I agree. I watched the video too. I have no idea what these crackpots are talking about. Alexis Goldstein tweeted in the video, Mr. Trump was shown in the South Lawn with a you know, black drop. The leaves are on loop. Siraj Hajmi says, you're lucky I'm still awake, Tim. It's not a video loop or green screen. It's from lossy video compression. Basically, each individual frame got a bit distorted. And so the frames sort of bleed together. The video in this tweet below explains it well. And I was excited to see they referenced Captain Disillusion, who makes really, really good YouTube videos. Captain Disillusion has done numerous uh, breakdowns of why the stupid internet video conspiracy theories are stupid. Basically, you may have seen all these conspiracy theories from back in the day when people thought like reptiles were like, like Hillary Clinton was a lizard person or something. And you'd see like a video of her talking and then all of a sudden there'd be like a weird glitch and her eye would like jump and they'd be like, that was it. She's a lizard person. Rah! When it was reality, in reality, it's an artifacting issue. It's when there's a, there's a loss in data from compression and it's just a glitch and internet video is not good. But I guess older people who didn't understand the difference between like TV and internet video, assuming it was all the same, didn't understand why they were seeing something that they didn't normally see on TV. There's no excuse for what these people are saying, mind you. These people have lost the plot. But Captain Disillusion tweeted, it's not green screen. Sorry. By claiming that it's green screen, you're giving too much credit to the producers. It means they lit him with very realistic direct sunlight in a large studio, added wind effects on the hair, had him speak in a tone appropriate for exterior, and added subtle street sound design. Yes, these people are nuts. Did they not think about any of this? Apparently not. Captain Disillusion then links. He says the background details jumping every so often is not a video loop. It's an effect of lossy video compression. I talked about that in this video. Reptilian Bieber mosh. And then Captain Disillusion gave us the best tweet, the cherry on top, icing on the cake. Bravo, good sir. If only it had been a green screen, though, man, then we would have had him. It would have been game over. Am I right? I would like to give a, a standing ovation to Captain Dissolution for this uh, <laughs> mockery of the resistance left. That would have been it. Game over for Donald Trump. Oh, we used a green screen, the biggest scandal in presidential history. I tell you, man, these people are absolutely insane. What happened to normalcy? Uh, you can do me a favor and you can do yourself a favor by sharing this content. Uh, I'm sorry, man. I know a lot of people might, you know, be like, Tim's asking to share. It's because I hope people see this stuff. Captain Disillusion is not a partisan. He makes video editing video, like, like he makes videos about video editing. He debunks things. He makes videos where he's like, here's how this video was made. It's not a real video. So when you see prank videos and, or, or like videos where someone throws, uh, his was one really great video where he's like, how does, um, what are those guys? What's, what, what's, who, who's, who are those guys 
that are always throwing balls into like holes far away. I can't remember the name. They have a big YouTube channel, whatever. He's always, he, he does a video where it's like, are people faking it when they bounce a ping pong ball in a crazy way and it lands in a cup far away? And he actually said, no, you can look through this and see the real trick is just trying as many times as possible until you finally get it. And takes a long time, but you finally get it. So he does these great videos breaking these things down, not a partisan, but adding that joke at the end. That's 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 perfection. I'm going to shout it out to one last hilarious uh, story. Deadline note to readers, a mistake, a mistake made on the vice president and coronavirus. A draft post of a story about Vice President Mike Pence testing positive coronavirus that was never meant to publish was accidentally posted on Deadline. It was pulled out immediately. It never should have been posted, and Deadline will take steps to see this kind of thing never happens again. Apologies to the Vice President and our readers. We regret the error. Wait, 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 wait. Error? You pre-wrote a story. You see what they're doing? They're writing stories before they happen and then waiting for when they could publish them. The news is fake. It's fake. The moderators, fake. The stories, fake. The conspiracy theories, fake. Life is much more boring than this. The president is not dying. Mike Pence does not have coronavirus. And no, it wasn't a green screen. The moderator is biased. We know it. No, he wasn't hacked. Shut your mouths. But you know what? I'm kind of enjoying my time here in fractured reality 2020. And uh, what can I say? At least life's not boring. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. It is my main channel, which is different from this one. Check it out, and I will see you all then. The narrative was always a lie, as it is with many of these people who end up being killed in police shootings. Uh, the narrative is often a lie. They tell us that Brenna Taylor was sleeping in her bed. She was an emergency medical technician or a nurse. The cops kicked the door in while she was sleeping and just shot her in cold blood. Then we learned that wasn't true. And actually, they were serving a warrant because her boyfriend was wanted in, in for questioning or in connection with some other crimes. And then they said, well, you know, they, they, they still fired at them, storming the door down in a no-knock raid. Okay, then we learned it wasn't a no-knock raid. Actually, they had a special provision after knocking several times and not getting a response. They kicked the door in. They were then shot by the boyfriend of Brianna Taylor while they were both in the hall, Brianna Taylor and the boyfriend, and the cops returned fire and Brianna Taylor got shot several times and died. It's tragic. It shouldn't have happened. But sometimes these things happen. I mean, what should we do if someone's accused of a crime, her boyfriend, and the cops are serving a warrant, they knock, no one answers, and they storm in. This guy shot these people who he didn't know were police. The police said they announced themselves. It's still a serious challenge because... You know, innocent until proven guilty. I don't like the idea of the cops kicking my door in and me not knowing who they are. And apparently they tried to go after Kenneth Walker, I believe his name is, and they failed because uh, you have a right to defend yourself in your home. Anyway, now we know that, uh, well, the story is actually much worse. Well, there were some leaked documents recently that show that Brenna Taylor wasn't just some innocent woman whose boyfriend was wrongly targeted. In fact, Documents that have been released show that there was reason to investigate her. And, you know, the series of events that had unfolded as the police were serving a warrant were unfortunate, but this was not an innocent person just sleeping in their bed who was killed. This was somebody who was still presumably innocent because innocent until proven guilty, 
who was killed in a shootout with police and who was wanted for questioning in relation to gun charges. Or, I'm sorry, drug charges. Let me just read you the story so you have the general understanding. Cops release photos that were tagged partners in crime from Brenna Taylor's boyfriend phone that show them both holding gun believed to be the one he used to fire at police, as messages also suggest he was selling drugs. The Louisville Metro Police Department has released the contents of its internal investigation following the death of Brenna Taylor, including photos of her brandishing guns and text messages that indicate her boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, sold drugs. So let me just say it right there. Why was there a warrant being served at Brenna Taylor's home? Because that's where Kenneth Walker was, and they believed he was selling drugs. It's that simple. It wasn't an incorrect warrant. It wasn't a no-knock warrant. And it's unfortunate someone that she lost her life, but this was investigation of a crime. On Wednesday, LMPD released 4,470 pages, including investigative reports, interview summaries, and evidence reports, as well as 251 videos and hundreds of photos. Taylor's death in a hail of police bullets early on March 13th sparked protests nationwide, and the document dump follows a controversial grand jury ruling that saw no officers directly charged in her death. Included in the new documents are photos of Taylor and Walker posing with guns, as well as text messages that strongly suggest that Walker was involved in the sale of illegal drugs. Walker was a licensed gun owner, able to legally carry in Kentucky. He was not named in the search warrant used to enter Taylor's home, and he was not a target in the drug investigation of Taylor's ex-boyfriend, Jamarcus Glover, that led to the raid on the apartment. So to clarify, it wasn't about her boyfriend at all, so I was wrong about that for sure. Just her connection to her current and ex-boyfriend, I'd imagine, would be probable cause for some kind of investigation. Partners in crime reads the caption at the bottom of the photo, along with a cartoon of handcuffs. In text messages, Walker said that he purchased the Glock from a white boy and that it wasn't registered to him, but he had a bill of sale. In one text message to Walker, Taylor sent an image of herself with an AR-15 pistol. In another, she asks for a picture of the AR-15 pistol to show a show, show to a white boy she works with who might be interested in purchasing it, according to new documents. Here we can see this. Uh, this is the image of the Glock that was used, apparently, to shoot at the police. In the course of the investigation, police also recovered evidence that Walker was involved in the sale of drugs. In police interviews, Walker said that he was not involved in serious criminal activity, but did say that he sometimes personally used marijuana. However, a search of his phone found numerous conversations about drug trafficking, investigators said in the newly released documents. In several chats described in the documents, Walker discusses selling pills to Hooters waitresses. In another conversation, he sent an image of a bag of marijuana advertising it as Cali High Grade Premium Cannabis 1LB, according to the documents. In other messages, Walker offered to sell half ounces for 25 or two zips, slang for ounces, for 260, the documents state. The messages with more than two dozen apparent customers span the fall of 2019 to March of this year, just prior to the raid. In another group chat, Walker discussed robbing someone. The documents state, Walker asked how much bread the target had, and another person replied that it was at least $25,000. When someone in the chat asked if it was an easy target or whether they needed to do homework, Walker replied that he does his homework on every mission, according to the documents. Brent Taylor's boyfriend told police they were scared to death when they heard banging on the door because they thought it was her drug dealing ex. The new documents revealed the police insisted that they knocked and announced themselves, but that Taylor's boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, said that they only heard the knocking and did not hear police identify themselves. Walker said the couple was scared to death because they feared it was her drug dealing ex-boyfriend. He opened fire down a hallway at the door uh, as the door was breached, striking one officer in the leg and cops returned fire. 
It wasn't just the officer's leg, however. It was the femoral artery, which is a kill shot. I'm, I'm not saying he was trying to kill the officer, but that, 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 that's a lethal hit. Fortunately, they applied first aid. The officer survived. Cops believe Taylor's home was the money house where Glover housed the dope, the documents state. But no significant amounts of drugs or money were found there. And investigators later raised questions about the evidence used to tie Glover to Taylor's home. Sure. It seems like they reasonably believed that she may be storing things for her ex-boyfriend. Maybe they didn't realize she was dating somebody else. And, and we can see from her boyfriend, the documents suggest that he wasn't up to any good either. But look, innocent until proven guilty. And therein lies the bigger problem. While I think this shows that, for, first of all, she shouldn't have died. I mean, that's messed up. But it wasn't that they were searching her home for no reason. There's reason to believe that crimes were being committed. But as nobody was convicted of any crimes, then they're, as far as I'm concerned, innocent. Ultimately, what this means is the cops m- seem to have been acting in good faith. And this was just a tragic and unfortunate sequence of events. The cops were knocking the door to serve a warrant, as they need to do. And this individual was seeing someone break into his house, Kenneth Walker, and fired in defense. And then shots were fired back and Brown Taylor lost her life. The point of this segment is the narrative tends to be lies. Hands up, don't shoot. That was a lie, right? We know from the AG report that Michael Brown didn't have his hands up. He was attacking the cop. In this instance, it wasn't some random innocent woman killed in her bed. That's just not true. And her boyfriend didn't even say that was the case. But it's propaganda. The left pushes the narrative and the narrative persists. And then people hearing that the cops just killed this innocent woman become extremists. And that's the point. Radicalization. Then you have cops being antagonized and attacked. People say defund the police. They lose their funding. And this results in more anger and animosity towards police and ill-equipped and angry and, and, you know, uh, uh, anxious police officer then falls into harsher circumstances. And the left is creating a downward spiral where more of these tragic incidents may occur. If you have low morale, scared police, you're going to end up with more panic situations and more death. And then the left will claim, aha, see, this proves it. And they will continue to try and dissolve, abolish or disband the police, which is just, I mean, it's just absolutely insane. They say Taylor's name came up in the drug case, at least in part because she had posted bail a few times from 2017 to January 2020 to Glover. And another defendant, Daryl Daryl Forrest, uh, in amounts that went as high as $5,000, according to the police files released Wednesday. Taylor's apartment was considered a soft target by police conducting the raid, and they believed she was home alone. Walker, a licensed gun owner, was not expected to be there, and as a relationship with Taylor appears to have been unknown to police. The documents revealed the cops executing the raid decided to knock and announce themselves, despite having a no-knock warrant. Not True. That's not true. Daily Mail, you are wrong on that one. It was a standard warrant with a special provision that they could breach the door should no one answer. A no-knock warrant means specifically they run in, smash the door down, and storm in the building. They announce themselves. At least they say they do. Innocent until proven guilty. I can only take them at their word. Walker, believing it was an intruder, fired at the officers, prompting them to return fire and kill Taylor. He was charged with attempted murder. However, the charges were later dropped. Walker has maintained the officers did not identify themselves as police when they arrived at the apartment. I believe him. I believe uh, uh, he didn't hear them. I put it it better because I don't think he would have shot at cops if he knew it was police. He probably would have backed off. The problem with this is what if some criminal just yells police? I mean, they're a criminal. They're trying to hurt you. What do you do? 
criminals probably know they can say this. In fact, when it comes to con artists, they know authority is one of the most powerful tools in, you know, getting what they want. And they can straight up tell you that they're a cop because they don't care about the consequences. They're committing crimes. This is probably why Walker ultimately was not facing any serious charges. Or I should say that the charges were dropped because a reasonable person would defend their home in this circumstance. The point I want to make with this, don't believe the leftist propaganda. I'm not here to say that it was her fault or, or to defend the police. Not at all. I'm saying from the facts we have from CNN's reporting, you know, in, in other segments, uh, it was just a tragic and a unfortunate turn of events. And there's real reason they were investigating this individual. Maybe it wasn't good enough. Sure. What do we do? I think reform is a solution, but I'm not going to pretend to know what the actual, you know, what the actual reform would be because I don't think I'm smart enough and know what these cops go through or what homeowners should be able to do in, in the event of some kind of, you know, some person storming into your house. But I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. In an earlier segment, I talked about a C-SPAN moderator who accidentally publicly tweeted to one of the most ardent Trump critics, Anthony Scaramucci, asking him for advice. Should he respond to Trump or not? Scaramucci, of course, responded. Many people, conservatives, then questioned, why is a debate moderator asking an anti-Trump activist for advice on what to do? Now, that's because the game's rigged. We all know it. Joe Biden is, they're rigging it in his favor. It doesn't mean he's going to win. It definitely means that they've got, let, let, me, let me explain what I mean by rigged. It means the moderators of these debates support Joe Biden. It means that many of these journalists who claim to be neutral support Joe Biden. It means that the majority of newspapers endorse Democrats. That's what it means by, that's what I mean by rigged. So this Scully guy, he claims after he gets caught tweeting at, you know, Scaramucci, Oh no, oh no, it was, it was an accident. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I was hacked. That's it. I, I was hacked. So sorry about that. Well, Fox News has the facts. Steve Scully, the moderator in question, has history of blaming hackers for posts made on his Twitter account. The C-SPAN hosts previous hacking claims date back to 2012 and 2013. Yes, this guy, this journalist, just blames hackers every time he posts something dumb. The dude doesn't know how to use Twitter, but I can tell you this, to be fair, if he's going to publicly tweet at Anthony Scaramucci instead of direct messaging him, then maybe he really is getting hacked because he has no idea what he's doing. And maybe, I don't know, his password is password or something. Check this out. They say presidential debate moderator Steve Scully claimed through a statement by C-SPAN Friday that he believed his Twitter account was hacked after a tweet showing him reaching out to outspoken Trump foe Anthony Scaramucci went viral Thursday night. However, resurfaced tweets show that Scully has a history of blaming hackers for his social media posts. The Washington Journal host appeared to reach out to the former White House communications director, who has become a vocal supporter of Joe Biden, in the now deleted tweet that read, Scaramucci, should I respond to Trump? Both the Commission on Presidential Debates and C-SPAN have issued statements claiming Scully didn't actually send that tweet, which is the most pathetic and absurd lie. I'm so sick of these people, man. C-SPAN statement said Scully did not originate the tweet, adding that CPD was investigating the incident with the help of authorities. So let's see the police report, because you're lying, and we all know it. However, critics who remain skeptical of Scully's hack claim, uh, hack claim dug up old tweets showing him blaming hackers for, for other tweets that were made from his account. In May 2012, Scully appeared apologetic about tweets that were made about weight loss. 
I apologize for Saturday's tweets regarding weight loss. I still have my day job at C-SPAN. Darn those hackers. Have a great Sunday. In another tweet from March 2013, Scully apologizes for posts that were sent by his Twitter account, though it is unclear what the content was in those tweets written by alleged hackers. I apologize for some earlier tweets. Account was hacked. Those tweets did not come from me. Thanks for alerting me. SS, Scully wrote at the time. C-SPAN did not immediately respond to Fox News' request for comment, but we can see the tweets from him. They're real. They're right here. Scully has been selected to host the presidential debate between President Trump and Biden that was scheduled for October 15th. However, the status of future debates is unclear because, you know, Trump said he doesn't want to do a virtual debate. Frank Ferenkopf, a co-chairman of the commission, first made the hacking claim to Fox News' radio's The Brian Kilmeade Show. Steve is a man of great integrity, okay? I don't know this question about whether he tweeted something or not. I do know, and you'll probably pick up on it in a minute, that he was hacked. Apparently, there's something now that's been on television and the radio saying that he talked to Scaramucci. He was hacked. It didn't happen. Yes, the hackers broke into his account to ask for advice from Anthony Scaramucci. Just shut up. Just stop. What what should have been a seemingly innocuous story that could have just resulted in him saying, okay, 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 I made a mistake, is now over the top lies and deception. And now we have more evidence of that fact. The game is rigged, okay? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, the game's rigged. Isn't it obvious? This guy is going to get all the people in media to cover for him. They're not going to challenge him in any way. And who in their right mind believes these people? They just enjoy read. I was hacked. I didn't actually say that. Someone wrote that blog, not me. Oh, shut up. We know it was you. How utterly pathetic. Listen, the point is the game is rigged. And they talk about Joe Biden on these debates, you know, uh, being being honest and Donald Trump being the liar. That's what the media is saying. I want you to look at this story and I want you to realize you're being lied to. They say that Joe Biden is not going to ban fracking and that Mike Pence was lying and that Kamala Harris won. CNN said she won, at least. Let me show you what's really going on. Progressives, including the squad, release agenda to push Biden to the left. Working families parter. Working Families Party People's Charter calls for free health care, universal child care and canceling student debt. Joe Biden will absolutely pander to these people. That's the name of the game, baby. They say the Working Families Party People's Charter calls for the for free public health care, universal child care, creating millions of green jobs, canceling student debt, a $15 minimum wage and shifting money away from police departments and towards investments in schools and communities. In uh, 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 simple terms. The Green New Deal and defund the police. And they are pushing Joe Biden and it will work. One of the plan's backers, Rep. Ro Khanna, said the agenda will be the legislative blueprint for what the progressives in the House will push during a Biden Harris administration. There's no such thing as free health care. There is no such thing as free child care or millions of green jobs. Canceling student debt, you can do, but it's not going to be free. And a $15 minimum wage previously resulted in food price increases in New York City, which resulted in people getting really, really angry. But that was obvious to anybody who knows anything about this stuff. What they're really saying is allocate funding from uh, wealthier individuals to poorer individuals. Now, on the surface, I'm okay with this. Um, but what does it really mean? The problem with, with what they don't understand is that there's no circumstance in which people who aren't working get free stuff and it becomes easy for anybody. They think that there's this system, right, where if they just took the billionaire's money and gave it to poor people, poor people would have health care. 
You ever see the movie Elysium with Matt Damon? And there's like this giant satellite space station, big ring. All the rich people live there. And they have these booths or, or whatever tables. I don't know. You lay in them and it cures you of all disease, removes cancer from your body. If only they would give the poor people access to these little healing stations for which they apparently have thousands. But they just refuse. Why? Oh, because they're rich. And that's what the rich do. That's what they think. They think if they can just raid the station, there's cures for everyone, for everything. The reason why people can't have access to healthcare is because there is a finite amount of space and doctors to perform the healthcare. Have you ever been in a waiting room? I remember when I broke my hand. I was 16. And I had to wait. And I'm like, I really need someone to help my broken bones. And I just sat there waiting. I remember when other people had been sick or injured, and we just had to stay and wait. There's a reason why you wait. And there's a reason why there's like long wait times in emergency rooms, because there's not enough doctors. So the solution for free healthcare means more doctors, more hospitals, more schools, all of that will just require more work. And then they say, well, that's what the, the, the green jobs is. So who makes the more food, more green jobs? Okay, you're talking about general economic expansion. That's it. That's happening. Trump is talking about it. He's talking about GDP growth. It's making people live better. Anyway, look, this is supposed to be about the media. Make me go off on the left. What's happening is that Joe Biden is pretending to be a moderate. He'll get up on stage and say he won't ban fracking because he's scared of losing union voters in Pennsylvania. But then he'll go to these rallies and say, absolutely, we'll ban fracking because he's scared of losing college votes who won't vote for him anyway. Talk about dumb. Well, now they're publicly saying they won't ban fracking. The progressives are angry. If the progressives, which make up a decent portion of the Democrats, don't vote for Joe Biden, Joe Biden ain't going to win. Now, he may be doing well in the polls, but maybe it's because right now progressives say they'd rather have Biden over Trump. But what happens when Joe Biden says we're not going to ban uh, we're not going to ban fracking? What happens when Kamala Harris turns her back on her previous promises? Progressives might just say, nah, whatever. You know why? I think it's possible that many of these many of these progressives vote for Trump so they can force the you know resistance liberals to keep joining them and they can use that against Republicans and against our own country. The media will lie. They'll tell you that Trump is the liar and Trump's wrong often. But Joe Biden lies. Joe Biden won't be called to account. The moderators for these debates are clearly opposed to Donald Trump. The game's rigged. The game's rigged and we know it. This dude is lying about getting hacked. And it's my opinion, mind you. I don't want to get sued here. But look at him. He tweeted it before. It's all the guy seems to be able to do. He is a crony, corrupt, fake journalist. And there's too many of them. So right now, here are your options. You can vote for Donald Trump, who's kind of annoying because he says dumb stuff all the time. That debate was terrible. Well, he's, he's got some good things under his belt. You know, Middle Eastern peace deals are pretty good. Or you can vote for Joe Biden. I have no idea what Joe, Joe Biden actually wants to do other than take the keys to the castle, I guess. He'll say anything. And the progressives know that because he'll say anything, they can manipulate him into getting their wackaloon fringe policies. And that's what I think their plan is. Well, I don't know. The election's coming up. I hope you make the right choice, whatever you think it is. I got one more segment coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. Recently, we heard a story about a group of anti-government anarchist extremists who wanted to kidnap Governor Gretchen Whitmer. We've heard stories about wealthy people fleeing to rural areas, to Montana, to Idaho, to Iowa. And now we have one more with a cherry on top. 
The island brokers are overwhelmed. Ah, those that rent and sell islands are having trouble keeping up with the demand. The wealthy want to escape the pandemic to provide uh, to a private isolated paradise. The people who sell islands have to explain it's complicated. Look at that beautiful private island. Yes, very wealthy people. In one of these instances, they say it's $250,000 per week to rent one of these islands. How, who, what, how do you, what do you do for a living where you're making more than that? I guess if you're one of these billionaires, it makes sense. But that seems nuts. You know, people don't realize about private islands. You will never want one. Okay. People don't realize about mansions. You will never want one. The people who buy mansions, you have to run them like a business. It's a terrible thing to do. I once rented this house. I was going to have like me and my friends in Miami. And we couldn't even use any of the rooms. Now, granted, renting a rural house in Miami was super cheap relative to New York. And then we ended up with a ton of empty space and expensive utilities. And I was like, that was a bad idea. Let's not do that again. There are a lot of people who think having a private island would be great until they realize no food, no power, no internet. You're literally on an island. But I'll tell you what, right now, as fears grow over a COVID resurgence, and I'd have to imagine civil conflict or unrest, it's looking pretty good to be on an island surrounded by water where no one can get to. And also, you wouldn't be a target for anybody anyway. Calls and emails come in at all times, day and night. They no longer concern fun or prestige. Instead, they focus on fresh water and solar panels. These were not the inquiries that they had grown used to. The island brokers are overwhelmed. As the coronavirus pandemic has devastated countries around the world, it has upended nearly every aspect of life for everyone, including for those most insulated by money. Even the niche ultra-rich world of island commerce has been turned on its head. Quote, this has been the busiest two months I've had in 22 years of selling islands. Chris Crollo, the chief executive of Private Islands, Inc., said in July, the pace has not slowed since then, he said. The only time he has ever had anywhere near this quantity of inquiries was shortly after, after the disastrous fire festival on Great Exuma in the Bahamas in 2017. Mr. Crollo said he was swamped for some reason with questions from kids hoping to start their own country. <laughs> to be fair, you probably got a bunch of TikTokers and YouTubers who have money and are like, let's make our own country. Before the pandemic, an island was typically a vanity purchase that a wealthy client, usually male, would purchase sometime after retirement, broker said. The island bug would usually strike a few years after the novelty of other luxury purchases has worn thin. I mean, check this out. This is cool. The buyer took a private flight to the Bahamas and then boarded his yacht, where he quarantined before visiting the island. In the end, it was not the right safe haven for him. That's pretty cool, though, but I'd be worried about flooding and stuff. Though these houses are really nice. You have your yacht, your jet, now you want your island, said John Christie, the president of Christie's International Real Estate, a firm based in the Bahamas. The island broker knew how to cater to these clients. They sought a place to feel like a boss from C to C, Mr. Christie said. A little kingdom with no authority except their own. Deals could be sweetened by allusions to billionaire or celebrity neighbors. But the new wave of island buyers is less driven by ego than a desire to, to escape the virus. And brokers, like their clients, are, new, are newer to pondering survival. So even after a few harried months, brokers are struggling to meet their clients' new requests, like having agriculture to go with the helicopter landing pad. Despite the high interest driven by the coronavirus crisis, Mr. Crollo's firm, based in Canada, has closed only a few sales. Like other brokers, he says that much of the time, 
has been consumed by setting expectations about what it actually takes to set up a self-sufficient island. The logistics of paradise are complicated and figuring out how to show properties to potential buyers amid travel restrictions. And let's be real. You need a ton of land to grow enough food to sustain even your family. This is what people do not understand. Take any of these lefties and, and grant them farmland and say, figure out how much space you need. And they're going to be like, wow. So vertical farms might be a good idea and hydroponics might be a good idea, but you need a ton of land and a private island. It's not going to cut it unless, of course, you also build some kind of sustainable eco platform for growing or something. I mean, maybe it can be done. I don't know. Dylan Eckert, an agent for Nest Seekers International, says he gets a lot of calls in the vein of money is no object. Put me wherever my family can't get sick. He recently tried to deliver on this one. Uh, uh, deliver on this one for one family by renting them a private island in Maine for $250,000 per week. What? What? That's insane. I guess if you're a billionaire, though. But even if you're a billionaire, you're talking about, uh, think about this. Uh, If you're a billionaire, you're talking about a million dollars per month to rent one of these properties, a little bit more, actually. A million, a little bit more than a million per month. So you theoretically have three years until you have zero net worth if you're just a billionaire. That seems ludicrous. Absolutely. And, and, and who has that much cash money? What are you, what are you liquidating? Renting is not enough for wealthy people. The pandemic has fundamentally changed the way they're thinking long term about uh, being around other humans. Before an island was a toy, said Marcus Gondolo Gordon chief executive of Incognito Property based in England. Now, clients describe dreams of a bloody long boat ride to ensure that no one will cruise up and infringe on their isolation, he said. They also want access to fresh water, solar solar panels, and a house that is ready to sleep in tomorrow. I don't think this has anything to do with the COVID, man. This story from today, COVID is not the biggest concern among people right now. And I mean it. A poll shows from the Washington Examiner, 61% believe some kind of civil conflict is coming to the U.S. Now, 52% are prepping because of COVID. So maybe. I think it's both. I think people are starting to realize that tensions are escalating and you better have a way to get food. Otherwise, you will be unhappy in these cities. They say quickly setting up an island for self-sufficiency is going to be hard. Mr. Gondolo Gordon has to tell them. Construction on private islands takes far more time than on mainland or even on typical non-private islands. And brokers cannot guarantee that islands will be safe havens from civil unrest. Boom. There it is. For example, just this week, he looked at a lovely island in the eastern Mediterranean, a steal at 7.4 million. But there are some tensions in those waters which are contested by Turkey and Greece. You're going to have to read the news, he tells clients. And they'll also have to consider that their shoreline will most likely be affected by climate change. When they cannot handle this, he advises them to rent a super yacht. Several buyers declined through their brokers to be interviewed about their experiences. Before the pandemic, most agents would sell islands as a boutique fraction of their broader real estate business. Now that many sellers report seeing a surge in island interest, several brokers said it was taking over more of their business. Still, Mr. Crowlow is the rare broker who is all islands all the time. He helped sell his first island island in the late 90s, almost accidentally after accepting a seller's offer to put an ad for it on the small website about islands he had created. Two decades later, Mr. Crowlow's site features hundreds of islands. Some cost less than $100,000, like the small rock-strewn strips of the Canadian uh, of land in the Canadian lakes. Others reach eight 
and nine-digit sums and offer airstrips and pre-built resorts in turquoise waters in the Caribbean and South Pacific. Here's one. It's shaped like a whale, I guess. That's cool. One of the largest private islands for sale in the country. It has a mobile signal, but no landing strip. You got cell phone access here. Look at this. Looks like they can even have farming set up of some sort. One of the biggest advantages of selling islands amid a pandemic, brokers say, is that clients are more flexible about location. Everybody's panicking, to say the least. Transporting clients to show them the island is trickier than ever. At one point, Mr. Crowlow had a dozen potential buyers ready to see an island in Belize, but the airports were closed. Over the past six months, there had been only a few weeks where you could easily fly in and out of the Caribbean, said Edward D. Malay Morgan, a partner at Knight Frank, a real estate firm in London. It's one thing to buy a house without visiting it first. But buying an island is a different thing, particularly if you can't even send your professional advisors to review for you ahead of time. The British Virgin Islands have barred tourists until at least December. And even as flights have resumed to the Bahamas, visitors must commit to installing a phone app and quarantining for two weeks. These measures are too much. Some clients tell their brokers, you know, there are islands like off the coast of the U.S. and like Florida and stuff that rich people go and live on and they keep out, I don't know undesirables, to say the least. Look, I know they're talking a lot about the pandemic, but I wonder if they did a good enough job to ask about civil unrest, because polls show this is what people are really concerned about. They do mention civil unrest, and an island is probably the safest place to be. But if we're talking about COVID, pandemic, apocalypse, or otherwise, then I don't think anything is going to save you. In fact, I think islands will be pretty dangerous. You know why? No escape. I mean, I guess if you've got a super yacht and you see pirates coming, you can jump on your boat and escape. But to be honest, where are you going to go? They're going to chase you down and take your super yacht, too. Let's say you choose Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, or just, you know, Smoky Mountains or something. There's a, there, there's, it's, it's easy to escape. It's very, very easy. Someone comes to your property. They overwhelm you. You lose ground. You take what you can and you can flee in a random direction into the woods and they'll never find you. Or you can take elevated ground surrounded by mountains and woods and just defend your property effectively. I think bailing out to an island is a really dumb idea. You're going to run out of food and you're going to die. You have nowhere to go. You probably have very little access to fresh water. So anything you have that you think is sustainable relies on the external world. Suffice it to say, rich people are freaking out. And I tell you this, rich people, not always, but they sometimes know things. You know what I mean? Like people in government and their plans, and what the people in government are saying about what they think is going to happen in the future. And sometimes this information is privy. I wonder what they're planning planning for if they're escaping. I don't know. Civil unrest, pandemic getting worse, civil war, whatever. I guess they just want an island. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tomorrow at 10 a.m. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all next time.